Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. The Around the NFL podcast. It's already on the 2024 Cowboys bandwagon. From the Chris Wessling podcast studio, it's Around the NFL. My name is Dan Hansis, joined by heroes, Greg Rosenthal. And Mark Sessler. And it is here. The best football weekend of the year. Divisional round playoffs. Eight teams remain. That means only eight teams, Mark. One of them is going to hoist that Lombo. I keep hearing that it's the best football weekend. And I don't disagree mm-hmm. in terms of the staging. Mm-hmm. But... There are also 24 fan bases whose teams have been uh, like turned into dust. So it's not always you have to become just agnostic and be like, I'm just enjoying the sport at this point. And that's uh, that I shipped into that mode. And I think no you, I think you could probably relate to this. Um, but uh, like I I root for a bad team historically always. So that's true. I'm used to, you know, checking out emotionally on the, the team, like my team aspect. So as a football fan, by this time, even if it was a good season and he got picked off at the end of the regular season or earlier in the playoffs, I could look at these games and be like, we're not going to get pound for pound uh, a better week of games. Now, the, the championship Sunday, which is next week, uh, is great too, Greggy. But this one, you get more variety, more spice. You get an underdog or two, uh, which we certainly have here. Yeah. And it's just going to be a lot of fun. To, to Mark's point, I think week one is a, a close uh, second. If I had to choose, I do love me some That's week great one. Too. It's just like it's been so long of a, a buildup. But there is something where everyone's just watching the same game. It Doesn't it feel weird for us, dude? We're home on Saturdays just watching one game. I was like, man, there's a lot of commercial breaks. Like, And, <laughs> and I'm enjoying it because like every play, just you're rethinking it in a, in a different way than you would in the in the regular season. But I hope this one delivers. It's a lot of pressure. You know, seasons... Sometimes they're like the Packers season is so nice because there was no expectations. You know, we weren't expecting much. I, I hope we don't put too much expectations on this weekend after all those blowouts last week. 
Yeah, here's here's a these spreads are big. Yeah, here's it's a, a good, big spread yeah, weekend. They are large. Good data point here. I reached out to the research team and what a team. A person by the name of Cole Noble, which is a hell of a name. Let's start there. Uh, quickly could, could responded. Be a, could be a pen name, but that's fine. I had asked since division realignment for the research team. Yeah, I like that. He adopted a new name for the um, new researcher. Uh, since the vision realignment in 2002, how often, this is my exact email, Okay. sent um, by verbal uh, text on phone as I was driving in. Hey there, period. Could you tell me, comma, since the vision realignment in 2002, comma, how often both number one seeds made it out of the divisional round? And then I had to do an edit because originally I had a period, and I was like, no, let me give the question mark. On the other side, comma, how many years ah. did both get picked off in their first playoff game? Question mark. Thanks, Slammer. Need it. Shows a playful, hey, we're all in this together to put that exclamation point at the end. A team. You're a larger team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we're talking football. Yeah. Hey, Dan. Since the division realignment in 2002, number one seeds are 29 and 13 in the divisional round of the playoffs. Of those 21 seasons, there have only been 11 seasons in which both number one seeds won their divisional round matchup. 22, which is last year, interesting, which means two years in a row. Come on now. 20, 18, 17, 15, 14, 13, 9, 4, 3, and 2. Of those 21 seasons, there have only been three seasons in which both number one seeds lost in the divisional round. Mm. Does anybody know when that happened? It was recently. So the Ravens lost recently. The Titans got uh, picked up by the Bengals, and the Packers lost to the Niners in 2021. Okay. In 2010, the Falcons lost to the Packers. That was the Rodgers gets gonna hot say. and wins the Super Bowl. I was going to say, I was trying to think, who was the one seed that year? Is the Patriots versus the Jets? The best football moment of my life uh, up in Foxborough. That was 2010. And 2008, the Titans again. Come on. Titans. Come on. Even when you have a powerhouse team, this happens to you. Although Kerry Collins was the Fair. quarterback, the most random one seed until the next like, time the Titans had the one. They're like 13 and 0 or 10 and 0 or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, uh, the Titans lost to the Ravens and the Giants lost to the Eagles. So great job by Cole Noble. Did yeah. you? Well, where's we're the, all in this together. Did you verbalize an email that said, thank you, Cole, for your. I just saw it. I'm going to do it right now. Yeah. You got to write him back and say, Cole. Yeah. Oh. It's kind of crazy. The Thanks Packers. We're the oh, one seed two years ago. Just gave that you team that lost in shout out. It's not, that was not a great podcast. team. You're yeah. the Aaron Rodgers has never beaten. I don't know the Niners. Cole Noble's probably a, a man, right? We are still recording, by the yes, way. Yes, I I would think Cole would be a would be, I would think I don't know who knows, but like I'm just I was gonna put you're the man. I'm gonna put you're the best. That's better. All right, done. All right, so we're gonna get to the games right now, and we got a little football news to get to. We'll do that as part of halftime, uh, but let's get going and let's start. Oh, Marky, Mark, Mark, Mark. Um, obviously, the Houston Texans are a uh, underdog this week. They're one of the heavy underdogs. Um, there are two teams. <laughs> Man, two teams getting nine and a half points of wood, and they're one of them against the Ravens in Baltimore. So I feel like the Ravens haven't played in about two months, um, and it, it feels like that because they rested starters, then had the bye and last time the Ravens did that, things went sideways for them. But the idea here, Greg, is that this is a different Ravens team, a better Ravens team than that 2019 team that got picked off. I don't know if, even know if that's true, but that's what they're telling themselves. So <laughs> the Ravens get a Texans team, obviously, that is feeling very confident about themselves, despite being a middling operation for most of the season. They have a, a young quarterback in C.J. Stroud that has them believe in and a head coach 
uh, and D'Amico Ryans that just shut down the Cleveland Browns in a big spot. I, I think this Ravens team is unquestionably better because they're more diversified offensively. The numbers would say they're they're still an elite running team, one of the best in the league, and, and the Texans have a run defense that could maybe slow them down, but the short passing game, the long passing game, and then especially compared to 2019, the defense, which, you know, now that the Browns have taken a dirt nap is certainly the best defense in the league. I think the most consistent over the course of the season too, and I, that's where I start is just, We've seen Mike McDonald, and I think he's going to get hired, the defensive coordinator of the Ravens, in this cycle because what he's done this year that basically no one else has been able to do is stop Shanahan tree offenses, which is, to me, the thing that is the most valuable thing you can do as a defense is slow down this offense that has basically taken over the league and has been a quarterback cheat code. And they did it against the Dolphins in a big spot just a few weeks ago. They did it against the 49ers in a big spot about a month ago. And now they do it again. Now they're going to do it, I believe, against CJ Stroud and, and this Texans defense. And they do it with man coverage, but they mix it up. Stroud has struggled sometimes against man coverage. And they do it by mixing things up in terms of what they're going to do after the snap. So Stroud's been very good mentally all season reading the coverage, getting through his reads. This will be a new test for him. He faced it in week one. He struggled. He's a much different quarterback now. But to me, that that this is a much bigger step up in class for the Texans offense, really, than it is for the Texans defense. Yeah, I think like that week one game is, you know, deep, ancient mythology at this point. I mean, it's like the Texans were a completely different team. The Ravens were at that point still figuring out who they were, too. Like it was a week ago we were saying, can Stroud solve this Browns offense or Browns defense Let that, you know, we were, we were touting for, for good reason. And now it comes again, it's the Ravens and the Ravens, like, t- you know, they are a different team from the team that lost in the, a, a couple years ago in the playoffs because well, we'll find out. Well, I would say this though, just coming in at least statistically, yeah, they are fourth in average points per game. Okay. They are first in points allowed. And that's a problem for Stroud. They are the number one rushing team in the league. All of those metrics basically have not been achieved by one team since the Bears of 1985. And I, I think it, that? I think a lot of it is because it's always that is like different. it is Lamar Jackson and it's the offense and their offense is heated up. But this defense against CJ Stroud, who last week created the highest passer rating in a wild card round by a, a player in his first playoff game in NFL history. Like Stroud's the real deal. And it's just like I, you know, you've taken away two of their top four pass catchers, but it doesn't matter. Like Nico Collins is heated up. And I, I really want to see what this Ravens defense second in EPA against the pass can do to solve Stroud. Because I think Stroud, if you get last week's version, this to me is a dangerous, I, the way I felt when the Browns were facing the Texans was like that the last team I wanted to deal with because the Texans like the Packers have nothing to lose. And it's like, I think there is this mounting pressure, no matter what anyone says on the Ravens, on Lamar Jackson. Cause even if you're an MVP this year in a, in a year, where I kind of think there really is no true MVP in the sense that we would normally look at that award. Like there is mounting pressure on Lamar Jackson to win this playoff game. If you lose this, like the narrative on you is pretty cemented. Um, Yes, it's not cemented at age twenty-seven. It's well, it's cemented. Until it's next time. Well, it's, it's cemented, cemented as cemented it is for Dak so Prescott far. right now. Right, right. It but doesn't mean it can't be changed, but it'd be cemented yeah. like it was for Peyton Manning at age twenty-seven. Sure, and yep. he and he eventually changed that as well. So, but you can't change um, any reputation or 
bad history around your game uh, in the playoffs until you actually have that big performance. He has not been a good historically, not not only four playoff starts, but he's one in three of those starts. The numbers have not been good. Um, so Jackson, yeah, there just like there are some there. Are, there's a house of ghosts around Dallas. I don't think it's that way around Lamar. If it happened this weekend where he has a bad game and they get bounced in the first round, this is going to be something that really falls. And Harbaugh, for that matter. They have not been back to a conference championship. But Harbaugh's got a chip. I mean, he's got the pelt on the wall. Just saying they've had a lot of playoff losses since 11 years ago. Absolutely. And as far as, you know, uh, I have a lot of respect for, obviously, the Ravens and and how they go about their business and how they prepare for teams and make teams look bad. Uh, They've had not just a couple weeks here to get healthy, but also to study these Texans and you watch it. We we're just watching that. And you could check this out, the show on the fast channels. Um, you could look at that, the highlights and it's just like, did the Browns even prepare for this game? The amount of wide open looks and the misdirection that left the Browns like completely spinning on their heels. I just don't see the Baltimore Ravens uh, offering up that type of effort and performance. CJ Stroud. Then, then you get to the big question, Greg. Stroud, who is absolutely different. He's a different type of rookie quarterback. But on this stage, if you start to cook him up a little bit and confuse him, does he start forcing the ball like young quarterbacks do and make the mistakes that turn this game into 24-7 in the third quarter? <laughs> he, he's he been so careful with the ball all year. I, he's he's the chance that they have that he beats perfect coverage, that he, that he just has an electric game, that he's the best quarterback on the field. That's that's possible, which is crazy. Asking so much for a rookie. A 22-year-old. The, the reason why I'm not as worried about it as the, the Ravens is, like, they've been in those games. They've been behind. They've been ahead. They've blown leads and then had to hold on to it. They've blown, they've blown leads completely, though, but there's so many different ways that they can win, whether it's offense or, or defense, and I, I think they'll have to keep up the the Texans in this game. They haven't had a run game really all year. There's no reason to think it's going to start now. Marlon Humphrey's been out of practice. That's the one guy that hasn't come back to practice. So we'll see what his final injury designation is. But obviously that's a big one. Uh, Their best cornerback. Uh, But I I look at when Houston's on defense and I look at those linebackers and I just think they're going to get picked on in in this one. Mark Andrews is practicing again. Suddenly Uh you're going to have to deal with Andrews and likely they have a way of getting flowers matched up sometimes over the middle of the field on these safeties and everything. And these Texans linebackers, they're a great run defense, whether it's, who is it? Uh, you know, Perriman, who, whoever's out there to a like there will be some times where they're in pass coverage and they're just bad. They're bad. And I just feel like that that's a spot where if the Texans, if the Ravens can't run the ball and I could see this being, it's like a three point game in the third quarter. Like that's a lot of Ravens games are like that. But I think the passing game is where the Ravens end up having too many weapons. Even Rashad Bateman coming off his best game of the year, I think, was significant in that week 17 game against the Dolphins. I think you need like the wideouts for Baltimore to be at their best. It's like it's it is on Zay Flowers to not have a kind of typical rookie playoff game where maybe you vanish a little bit. Odell Beckham, he, he is heated up and there's hope to think that can happen. But like the Nelson Aguilar, Rashad Bateman, like these guys need to have a game in this thing. I mean, the Ravens are so tight on defense that they're 13-1 and one when they've scored at least 20 points. And I, I, I do think that there's like a, a route, a, a road for them to really handle the Texans if they can coax them into mistakes. But that has just not been C.J. Stroud. Five interceptions all year. And the one thing about the Texans' defense, which I think gets kind of overlooked a little bit, is that they've only allowed over 125 yards rushing once all year, and it was to the Colts. 
Like, they're a pretty good rush defense. And so if you can put Lamar into a situation where he has to pass and has to rely on his pass catchers, like, that's where maybe mistakes come. But he's, he has got seven touchdowns and zero picks over the last two routes that Baltimore has enacted on the Dolphins and the Niners. And so it's like they, this is the best version of the Ravens, and they're very dangerous. Um, like I said at the top of the show, so it looks like 11 out of 22 years, um, one of the number one seeds gets picked off. That's uh, crazy. Uh, so um, for everyone that's making their game picks uh, going into this weekend, keep that in mind because you're, you're just going to be attempted to just obviously circle the Ravens, circle the Niners, and then figure out the other two games. Although historically, I, I suspect two nine-and-a-half-point spreads is higher than average. Just putting it, that out there too. That these, like, by the numbers, you should hit up Cole Noble on. That. Yeah, that would be a lot. But <laughs> like, you know, that these numbers are made by essentially just algorithms, and the out those algorithms spit out that the Ravens and the Forty ers are two of the strongest. Even though the records aren't crazy, but but the numbers would say they're the two of the very strongest one seeds we've had in a long time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although I would say if you look at the data, and we don't have it, unfortunately, so we're kind of up against the wall with the conversation, but I would show a lot of times it's probably around six points at least yeah. the, once you have the number one yep. seed involved. Now, with that said, um, I do believe in the Ravens. I do think they will be the team that I feel most confident in this week weekend, and it's it's not a shot against Tex, the Texans or Mark Sessler directly, but the Ravens, I believe, Mark, are going to handle their business in a way they didn't the last time they were in this spot. So I'm going to lock up the oh. Baltimore Ravens. You set uh, us up there. I thought you were kind of... As the Zuzzer uh, digs out of his own hole, I think I'm 7-1 and one in the last eight weeks in the pick. <laughs> so I saw um, a figure from, <laughs> from our Lock It Up uh, account on Twitter that like no one has ever recorded less than 10 wins in the lock competition. Oh, shoot. I Where are we at right I now? I sit at nine. And so you'd think I'm going to oh, go, go do the safe thing and, and get to 10. I don't care because I think that's an exciting record to set if I were to fail, too. But I'm going to do what I did last week because I think the Texans have a little bit of magic that no one sees coming. And so I'm sitting at 9 and 10. Nobody Jeez. in America cares about my lock score. I'm going at you in a lock competition. It's going to be very I'm fitting. I'm up the Texans, where, baby. Where after this weekend, Mark's record is 9-11. <laughs> yeah. Can I just? I know what you're doing now. You're eleven. You're eleven and eight. He is what nine and ten. Unless... I'll get to ten wins so that I don't have that thing. Maybe, but I'm gonna get it this. It'd week be harder because... the next two weeks to pick it wrong. This week there's some big spreads. You're more likely to pick. You it know wrong. what Kaiser Soze is doing over here, by the way. I got you all figured out, Cecil. What I think this same is thing, exciting. If I were Greggy like... with it with the sandwich props, where he doesn't like where he is in the standings, so he shifts into. Now I'm just going to be fully unpredictable guy. And my record is going to be really bad because I always go with crazy picks. And then it kind of mitigates that you've struggled in the standings because I'm just wild wow. picks guy. I'm wild well, picks in, guy. Well, no, in fairness to Mark, he's yeah. only doing this after he's clinched last place anyway. Waka so waka. We, we've already <laughs> accepted well, no, like, that he's going to be I, last I told, place. I have said for months now that the Texans. <laughs> honk, honk. Well, no, I'm actually. Yes. I said the Texans would win two playoff games for a long time now. So I'm, I'm standing behind that. I respect that. Shifting off I respect that. the hell. I thought you said they were going to get to the second round. You're, no, I said they would win. win they, I said they could. I didn't. But I'm now saying they will. This is the second straight week where, like, the lock I think I was going to go with, I'm now not going to because just you guys had a lock off. Uh, it just seems unfun to be. I'm quietly, part of by the way, looking to because the standings mean a lot to me. Hashtag beat Greg in the second half. Now that's what I'm going. <laughs> So if you if that motivates you in any way, no, I could care. He's gonna say it doesn't. He's gonna say I don't care about anything. (laughs) Stop beating me. Now that he knows, I want to beat him. You are five games back. (laughs) 
This competition has no been one so is, boring that it's already locked over. Last week, I'm already picking up since it doesn't make it. Any no difference. one is looking at first, second half splits right. in the law competition. It literally, I, did, I am. I know. But you here are. is like, no one else. Here is because uh, I know you too. Greg's mania. Now that yeah. he knows I'm tracking it, no. he needs it. In this, he's very. In this very, case, you couldn't be more wrong. Nope, I'm right. This is as if the. <laughs> The Ravens have already won their Super Bowl for the fourth time in five years. And then they have to go on a barnstorming tour. That means absolutely nothing. Like, can you imagine how anticlimactic it is to continue to Give me play that second half title. After you've clinched it with five weeks to go. You Wait. were eliminated in week 16. That's a disgrace. Give me that second half Dan, chip. I think you need to go to uh, one of these. I don't know if they still have these stores. So they make the trophies, right? Yeah. Kids and stuff. Get a second half of the season trophy that you, you can, can have. have on your desk. It's I yours. Someone out there, make it for Dan. I might please send me. It. Well, I got to win it first. I got to win it. You will win it. I have won it. But you're I'm not going to. I've given. Actually, I'm this up week. a game on Greg right now. In Why the am I rooting for you when I've just gone? Like, uh, I hope people care about like Jimmy Johnson versus Michael Strahan's like game picks as much as they <laughs> seem to. Care no one. I assuming that I have never once cared about those things when we watch them. So, so we're it making, always, we're it making an assumption me, that people makes care me about us doing that. But. It always worries me. Oh, worry. It keeps you up at night, I'm sure. <laughs> it's the passion in which the conversation happens. That's what it's about. Yeah. It's yeah but not, you could have a big wooden trophy. You, you should also make it like a six-foot-tall trophy that you put in your... Well, I'm not going to make it. If someone makes me, I won the second half, 2023-24 trophy. There is a pathway to you making it. You've won it already. you ordering it. What do you mean I won it already? I'm just saying you've won. I need to. I just need make to it defeat you. Weeks sixth or whatever it is. Then it's no, because that's. I see what you're doing. I see what you're they, doing. They you're trying us. to minimize my effort here, and what I'm trying to do is beat you in the second half of the season. You got it. See, and you're trying to belittle me, and it's not successful because I will defeat you the way I must, which is from week nine on. So behind the glass, mm. like they'd made a, a grave error before the show. They told yes. us that the fast channel can only hold an hour and 15 minutes of content to like keep the fat, you know, cut the fat. And we've gone about, about 25 a little minutes beefy. about this. All right. You know. Let's get back on track. And by the way, this is the Joe Buck, Tro Troy Aikman, Lisa Salters, Laura Rutledge team. So we got a foursome here. Uh, and uh, it is uh, I was looking forward to because, by the way, the Ravens have now activated Dalvin Cook to the active roster and they mm. and they waived Melvin Gordon. And I thought I was hoping because I've been predicting that D Dalvin Cook will have a big playoff game uh, to make Jets fans feel bad. Uh, and I was hoping it was going to be um, it was going to be Romo going, ah, Jim, it looks like he's got some gas in the tank. But it's Buck and Aikman. I don't know if we're going to get the same enthusiasm about a big cook game. Not in the uh, not in the fun way. Greg's mad about the no, I talking now. No, I don't um, perceive Dalvin Cook having much of a role. Why would he? Well, he's active. He's on the. What if he gets hot? You go with the hot hand. You're under, You're also perceiving him to suddenly be right a That's, fresh, young, great running back just because he left the Jets. Like, I mean, the evidence that we've seen physically. I I would take my chances, and this it's who knows with this group, but uh, that he does not finish in the top two or even three in rushing yards on the Baltimore Ravens. I think I would take Justice Hill, Lamar Jackson, and Gus Edwards over him. I guess we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Anything else on this game? I just think it's Ryan's, Domingo Ryan's last chance to show how special he is because Derek, Derek Barnett, Desmond King, these guys were on other teams like very recently, and then he brings them into the Texans, and they're really productive. To me, that's like the number one thing you can show as a, as a coach, that you take other guys who weren't, productive for 
their teams and you immediately put them into your system and they're productive. And I do think defensively with Will Anderson and Grenard, if Grenard is healthy and, and Barnett's been playing well, like that's maybe one spot that tackles for the Baltimore Ravens haven't been great. I'm with you, Dan. This is the game I'm most confident in. And, and I may lock it up. No, I'm not. I feel that way. That seems boring. I want to lock against um, both of you. Let's but, do it. But I've been doing it all year uh, with the Ravens. I do think, I think it could be close and then they just pull away. By the way, the Ravens are minus 425 in this game. I'm taking the points, too. I think this is a double-digit win for both. I would, too, if I had to choose. But really? The I'd... Texans are allowing about 20 points a game all year long. That would mean they don't. They like... were playing in the AFC South, and oh. I don't know. I like the Browns, but didn't love them. This is, this is, now they're in the big leagues. That's all. Now, who knows? Maybe they're one of those magic carpet ride teams. And in that case, Mark, you will be a happy man come Sunday night. Let's get to the second game on Saturday, uh, the other big underdog affair. So it's the Green Bay Packers who just um, horrified um, everyone in North Texas by slaughtering the Cowboys at Jarrah World. So their reward now is to go from Jarrah World up to the big bell bottom to face the Niners, also nine and a half points. Isn't it crazy? Mm. The symmetry between the Texans and Packers. Absolutely. Like even to a yard and to a a point on the passer rating and, and just the counting stats of what Stroud did and what Love did last week, to where the teams are record-wise, to even the spread against the number one seed, the following point, exactly nine and a half. So mm. it is the Spider-Man to Spider-Man meme thing going on here. Um, will this uh, be another game, uh, Mark, that, uh, like you say, you think the Texans win outright and, and shock the world in Baltimore? You give the Packers the sh- same shot in Santa Clara. This this to me is a concerning matchup because I I think the focus, if you look at it, is the Joe Barry defense. I mean, good defenses have not been able to stop the multi-layered weaponry of the Niners. And it's guys like Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker trying to stop Christian McCaffrey. This feels to me like a Christian McCaffrey like outburst. And you kind of base it around that and then you go to town from there. Um, I don't love the spread because I do think that if you just look at Jordan Love over the over the, the the back half of the season, has been incredible. He's led the NFL with 19 offensive touchdowns on third and fourth down in, tw- in, tw- in this season d- down the stretch. And like he's he's really only thrown uh, like picks on downfield throws. He's been really efficient on shorter throws. He's got the second most touchdowns in the league. I I just see an offense in Green Bay that has grown up. Like, uh, you know, even when you have, like, Matthew Stafford on the Super Bowl Rams, it took them half a season to really find out who they were. Mm-hmm. And for everyone else to kind of warm up around Matthew Stafford, this is an inc- more incredible story to me because it's, like, incredibly young, untested players who are becoming, you know, we, they've got a star quarterback and really incredible weapons. Like, Aaron Rodgers has to be watching this from afar and saying, where was this when I was here? Aaron Rodgers 0-3 against the Niners in the playoffs as a Green Bay quarterback. Jordan Love, I think, has a better shot to inflict problems to the Niners' defense than Aaron Rodgers did in the past. Even when they were at home in freezing temperatures and that Green Bay offense couldn't do a single thing, this is a completely different team. So Mm. I see a shootout, potentially. I don't like this nine-and-a-half points thing. Um, But to your question, Dan, like the Niners just, they're not going to crumble here. I think this team knows its own playoff history, and they seem completely unified and ready to go to battle. Yeah, I think no matter how... Well, you think Jordan Love is playing. He's probably playing better. Like, right now, he's arguably the best quarterback in the league. Like, it, it just, that's the that's the level he's playing at. Because some of the those touchdown passes, usually I think touchdown passes 
are a little overrated because it's a function of a team and you get down there. Are you a team that runs on the goal line or are you a team that passes? But these touchdown passes, including two of them last week, are like, they're incredible dimes. Like yeah. the, the level of difficulty on these throws is just okay. And I, I'm not going to go as far as you said, Mark, um, that he's more dangerous than like peak Aaron Rodgers. Although those teams for the Packers obviously didn't play well in the playoffs. And we didn't see that coming necessarily. I'd say January. Or, right. Know, yeah, it, yeah. That's totally fair. But I would say like this is a different Niners defense. I don't think it's as good as 2019. I know the numbers are overall pretty good. You can run against them the way that Aaron Jones has been playing lately and the way this offensive line has been protecting Jordan Love is a huge part of why Jordan Love has been so good. He's been in favorable situations. The play action's obviously working really well. His numbers are just crazy. And even though the, the players are good, I think it's a tough matchup for the 49ers defense in, in a way that, yes, maybe it can be a shootout. Hopefully you get the ball first like they did a, a year, a week ago. And I really believe in the whole short in the game thing. Usually I'm not into the short in the game thing, but when you got a defense this bad and you're a team that goes on a, long, a lot of long drives, if it can be a, a tighter game where you have a couple of those seven-minute drives and suddenly you're ahead on the road, that's the route, I think, for Green Bay to win is a lot of long drives, running the ball. And I think they could do it. I think they could do it in terms of scoring enough points to keep it interesting. I think it's it's interesting if you're the 49ers and you're watching that Cowboys game and you saw just the aggressive manner in which they just approached even the coin toss where Packers win the toss. They say, we want the ball. A lot of teams defer. Um, and to go right down the field, that set the tone for that entire game. And, and like I said on Sunday, just seeing the way Jordan Love was carrying himself on that first drive and the throws he was making and the comfort he had in the pocket, escaping the pocket, setting his feet, keeping his eyes up, putting it right on the money. It's like he's going to do that. He's going to come into San Francisco and be the same, like, outstandingly confident quarterback. And I'm wondering if the Niners, like, even with the coin toss, like who wins the coin? Would the Niners change their game plan to not put Love in that same situation? If do they want to get on the field first and, mm. and try, try to like set the tone? Because I think such a, uh, especially in the playoffs, the, the very beginning of these games, if, if if you could get if you punch an underdog in the face, that can set the tone and you could take control early. But if you get the Green Bay Packers with another big score early to get rolling, it's going to be the same thing in San Francisco that it was. Uh, in Dallas where the whole building gets quiet and the nerves start to act up and then maybe you make a mistake. Brock Purdy, as much as we like Brock Purdy, is not above making mistakes and forcing the ball. And I don't need to, when you look at number one seeds and we could talk about how these are the best number one seeds, we're not that far removed from Christmas night. And and the Niners in a similarly huge spot at home getting absolutely torched by the Ravens and looking like a bad football team. They're not impervious. No, I... I I'm with you on Joe that. Joe Barry's defense now, though. That's true. Okay, I, I would say this, though. Like, the, if you look at Green Bay's offense, like, I think a lot of times with young teams that are, like, unplayoff tested, you go on the road and you get torched, you learn a lesson, you come back the next season. Like, eight of Green Bay's top offensive games in terms of EPA, eight out of 11 have been on the road. Like, their five highest point totals have been on the road, including last week when they destroyed Dallas. And it's like, I think this is a team that kind of like the Texans. That's why they're such a mirror of each other. They don't even know what they don't know on some level. Right. And it is it is this interesting matchup because it's like Shanahan offense versus Shanahan disciple offense. There's a lot. It's like I always wonder with that kind of thing, like Shanahan and LaFleur are teaching each other's defenses, like how to handle each other's offenses. They practice against a lot of this. They're not identical, but it's like they come from the same, you know, plant or tree or whatever you want to call it, whatever shrubbery 
And, I think and, it's a tree. And they're both, like, I, I thought it was funny, a theme. I mean, I know, but it's just like. It's, 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 it's everywhere. Not, it is a tree, like a bush. but it's like, it's like all. Like hedges. It's like nature. a long hedge. The same earths. Earth. They. Recovered. There was like a, kind of a theme between you know, sources and people. Ah, talking Jim, it's the earth. This week with the two, these two teams that, like, both coaches are just so happy that they have quarterbacks who kind of just run the system. Mm. Like Jordan Love just but first like Aaron Rodgers or? versus Aaron Rodgers and even Jimmy G to an extent mm. it was maybe not totally embracing like doing everything they were trying to meet in the middle where it's here it's like these two guys are very similar in a way that they're great against pressure like their numbers when they're pressured has been excellent this year it's heavy play action uh, I would take Jordan Love long term over Brock Purdy I don't even think that's controversial though I'm sure some people would take Purdy I, I don't think that'd be crazy either. But but love is just that special. But man, I I think I would still I, I guess I would take the points here. But man, I don't think there's any chance that the 49ers offense doesn't put up 35 points in this game. And that's where I sort of disagree. Like if they're down 14-3, yes, it'll be the playoffs and it'll be tense in there. I actually still have faith that this 49ers team will get going unless the Packers can really shorten the game offensively. They are going to torture Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker in this game. Kyle Shanahan will. There's just too many weapons. I, I think starting with CMC, I don't see a great scenario where the Packers run defense is like overly competitive in this game. It was nice uh, for the Packers what they did last week. I still think the last six drives of the game count like a little bit. And more importantly, the rest of the game. The Not rest as of much the- as the first six. The first four, it was, they played four good drives and then they basically gave up touchdowns after that. They gave up a scoring drive. Basically right. But they're in a totally different defense. Just trying to bleed clock at that point. I, I, People say that, but like they were just, it's like just playing through for 400 yards in that game. And it's like, we, we knew what was going on in that the last quarter and a half. I guess I, I put a ton more weight into the season as a whole than those four drives. They did generate turnovers though. They did yeah. it against Jared Goff. Well, that's on what I'm saying. Like why can't, why can't, and I know it's a Joe Barry defense and it's been suspect throughout the year, but they, the Dallas offense, which is not quite the San Francisco. Offense. It's not even close. I don't think. Uh, okay. It, this has been a historically a good Let's offense. Let's not move the goalposts yeah. here. I mean, we were, we were singing Dak's praises as if not the MVP right behind whoever f- wins it. CD lamb, who was playing at a level that was an all time wide receiver level. Jake yep. Ferguson, Tony Pollard had a big game going into the playoffs, and there were a lot of people, you know, Brandon Cooks was on the rise. Like, that was a excellent Cowboys offense, and all the data Absolutely. backs it up. And the Packers got them uh, flustered early on, and because the offense played so well, it put the quarterback on the other side in a position where he was frazzled and made mistakes. I'm just saying that I could see Brock Purdy suffering the same fate if the Green Bay Packers would get off to a hot start. I think... This is a game that I don't feel comfortable about the home team covering. I think Jordan Love and the Packers are playing at such a high level um, that I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that their defense will find ways to slow down San Francisco and put pressure on the quarterback. And I think this is a close game. I, I You know what? I'm going to pick the Packers. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to lock it up, but I'm going to say the this is win. I, I'm going to say this will be a year where both number one seeds don't uh, survive. And I'm going to go something crazy. 30, 27. I, I think when you, when you think about like how they could do it, Charvarius Ward, I think, was overlooked for the all-pro team. Ultimately, he might be the dude. 
uh, him and Snead, like he, he should have made first team maybe over Sauce even on this year. And it's like, but Ward can only do so much. That's the thing about this Packers offense is like, you never know who's going to pop up. Jane Reed didn't have a catch last week. He could be their leading receiver. Wicks, like Ward can only cover one of those guys. Dobbs, the, the tight ends, I'm with you. But man, I, I just disagree because I think this is the best 49ers offense we've seen by far. And like, yeah, the, it was a good Cowboys offense, but they were like seventh in DVOA going into last uh, week, the 49ers have the best offense, you know, by the numbers of the last like five years, including their own 49ers things like Ayuk, Debo, everything, everything I've been led to believe about this team is that they are special. Yes, Rashawn Gary could get around the end maybe on McKivitz and like you could have a crazy turnover game. Anything can happen. The Packers are a worthy opponent being there, but nothing shows me that their defense is can gonna? hold up for six 60 minutes. No, this one doesn't seem as fun either. I think they'll <laughs> cover if I had to guess. I think it might be a little bit of a letdown uh, of a Saturday. I think, uh, I think what it comes down to, Mark, is I'm, I'm deep in my heart. and I know it was the Ravens, but I guess I don't trust Brock either. That hmm. I feel like he could make mistakes in this game and, and that could hmm. potentially turn it. Like Not just minor mistakes, like Dak mistakes from last week that can swing a game. The one field position, like, touchdown, whatever. To like to your like the prediction that you came up with there, like there is one thing about these Shanahan teams, and it, it's not it dates back years, and it, but this year, like in close games, you know, they're one and four in close games, and they in in Brock Purdy and friends have been zero and four in like game winning drive opportunities, and so if the Packers can hang around, they suddenly become more dangerous by the minute. Um, but I think this will be a operation that allows the Niners to go two and four in close games. I think they're going to win 27, hmm. 24. And let's not forget Kyle Shannon has his share of ghosts as well. This oh, time of absolutely. year. So, but not uh, this, you know, next, but not this time of year, not this weekend. He actually, I believe leads all head coaches in playoff winning. Percentage. But I'm saying he's blown title games, right. he's blown Super Bowls. Okay. He hasn't blown a divisional round game yet, but his ability to close out games in which they're winning in the second half, well, that's, that's haunted him multiple. So times. does Matt LaFleur. Sure. I mean, since week nine, these are the best two offenses in the league by base. Like well, I mean, especially against the Niners, actually. Like, so does Matt LaFleur. Right. Like, I mean, he's- Shanahan's kind of owned this matchup. I guess I hear what you're saying on Brock, and I think I'm like slightly lower than consensus on Brock, and I hear what you're saying, but I just feel like, yeah, that's going to happen if they ever run into a good defense. That's not going to happen. They're not going to play a good defense this year until the Super Bowl if they make it. Like, there are no good defenses left in the NFC other than the 40, I don't even know what a good defense is anymore in this league. To be honest with you, the, we keep on seeing them get embarrassed and picked off. So I, well, one just got waxed. I, I guess I would say ones that are capable of stepping up and having a, like a difference making game. And I would say they that did it last week, Greggy. I right. I would say that this, this team the did Chiefs that last are week. capable. The bills are capable. The 49ers are capable. The Ravens are certainly capable of having those sort of games. These other games, these other teams, they're pretty mediocre. Ark, gotcha. I hear you. Ark Armstead is back, by the way, and he has been the Jenga piece in terms of their run defense, which is going to be important for San Francisco. They're they're quite healthy, but same thing you said with the Ravens are true. The 49ers haven't played a game in yeah. forever. Not only like have they not played in three weeks, but like think of the games they played after the Raven that Ravens game. It was, I guess it was just the Commanders, and then they were resting <laughs> some starters. <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> forever. Ah, uh, Jim, any given Saturday night. Uh, all right, let's take a break. Oh, uh, did you pick the game? I am going to take the 49ers 41 to 31. Let's, Hello. Go, let's go way over. All right, let's have some fun. <laughs> and by the way, the money line here, 49ers minus 440. 
All right, let's take a break. And when we get back, we'll hit a little bit of NFL news and then we'll hit the Sunday games. Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. All right, welcome back. Yes, we'll take a little break now from the divisional round preview to help what's going on in the news. And let's start with uh, the new news out of Dallas. We just talked about it on the Wednesday show. What is the decision that will come out of Jared World around Mike McCarthy and the future of that organization after another disappointing playoff loss, this time in the wild card round against the Packers? And the news broke. Uh, late on Wednesday that Mike McCarthy will return to the Cowboys. Jerry Jones released a statement as well, detailing uh, the team's unprecedented regular season success, uh, three straight years of 12 uh, wins, um, but also putting it out there and letting it again. This is the ghost. Like we, we have struggled in the playoffs, but we believe what we have in place is good enough to eventually get over the hump. So Mike McCarthy will get a fifth year, with the Cowboys, just like in his fifth year with the Packers, they won the Super Bowl. So that is what Jerry's mind track is on, if that makes any sense to you. Here is Zaddy himself. Zaddy, who, yeah, he probably thought he was done, just like everybody else on, on Sunday. Now he's back on the podium with the star behind him, uh, ready to announce his plans for the future. I believe that uh, the, the direction, you know, the leadership – um, everything is in place, and um, I'm not very comfortable talking about myself, but I came here to win a championship. I didn't come here to get another contract or no. um, anything other than that. Hell no. Um, I came to Dallas Ain't to about win money. a championship, and that's why I'm standing here and um, buy into us. Buy. <laughs> oh, Zaddy, you're unkillable. <laughs> we need to do a better job, by the way, on the uh, – 
the headshot we're using for Zaddy. I mean, we. Got, I think it's accurate. We got. I don't have Greg. Dude, this, we had accurate. a long conversation about this because it was the same one Sunday Night Football was using. But yeah, gotta, he should take another. Dan wants like like John Ham's picture to be put. It's like that's not where we're going. What do you mean? This. What are you What are you trying to shame McCarthy? I think it. I think McCarthy is a manly figure, and that is an accurate headshot. I, I will leave it at that. And I would say one thing about this whole thing is I, you, you kind of laid this out almost exactly that you kind of thought this would be a good idea for the Cowboys, Dan. Before these triple 12-win seasons, they had three out of four seasons where they won less than 10 games, and, and they were a non-factor. I guess the one thing you could go on, I know that there's the, like, the non-momentum Greg and Claybon worlds, and I, I get that, but like... Not like I don't like <laughs> you now. You are in. you are part of that, but there is like this there is, has nothing to do with momentum. It's, though. well, let, no, let him cook. Let him know, cook, it's, Greg. It's, Where's it's he going? Different than that. That's it's during like, the game. Mike McCarthy. Continuity. Mike McCarthy. To your point, probably thought he was gone. Dak Prescott. W- uh, people are questioning his future. He's coming off like a disaster, and like I think if anything, this Cowboys team has so much to prove because this the story is so embedded that no one's even pay attention during the regular season. Maybe not a momentum thing, but maybe like psychologically, they are the team with the chip on their shoulder. That said, I, d- I struggle to go down any of these paths ever again until they're literally being announced out of the tunnel at the Super Bowl. Well, good luck with that. We're, we're going to talk about it a lot. <laughs> I know, but you know, I'm saying it just, I wonder if it's like it went so far, they all thought it was so right. cooked and done. So and perhaps, back. perhaps, Greg, I oversimplified it a little bit yesterday when I said, all right, so McCarthy's in his contract year, Dak's in his contract year, just let him play it out and let's see where the chips fall. The the one catch here now is, okay, so you brought back the head coach and I had thrown out this idea of, you know, make the team better, make some adjustments, have a nice draft and maybe go at it one more year. It's a little more complicated in the sense that if you want to free up some dollars to help make the team better, that is a, in large part, you have to restructure Dak's deal, mm-hmm. uh, which means getting in deeper with him, whether it's funny money or not, it goes from one year to potentially a big contract where he's the highest paid player in the world. So there is a, there, there is still is this challenge to me where, okay, you're going to let the coach play out his contract. Uh, but are you going to now go all in on the quarterback? So that will be the next step. What do the Cowboys do with Dak's contract? That's going to be a storyline like it or not as well this winter. I think they will adjust his contract, give him more money. We'll see. You're keeping Mike McCarthy because you think he works with Dak Prescott. I, I don't think you keep Mike McCarthy to like bring in some new quarterback. It just, it doesn't, that doesn't make sense. I think there could be changes. Dan Quinn could get a job and be interesting. If he doesn't get a job, is he definitely back? There's some thought in Dallas that might be a change, which is, which is kind of wild, but I think this is both a reasonable decision, like it it makes sense, and it probably won't work. But I don't know what else would it, by work I mean you make the Super Bowl. Like the the bar is so high. It's it's a veteran team, and they have some young players certainly, but they have a lot of really good players. So I, unless you had a better option, to me that the number one problem is there's something in the water. There's something there with Jerry Jones that that they, they're built up to be these huge superstars in Dallas, and it's like. I don't know. I don't know what it is. They're bad at self scouting. Whatever it is, like they can't get over the hump. But I think this is probably their best chance to have another crack at it. I I don't hate it. I'm with you, Dan. Mm. Christ. And I'm not even a big McCarthy fan. I just don't right. have any. I think whatever's going on there is bigger than Mike McCarthy. 
And I trust actually Mike McCarthy and this staff to at least get another crack at it more than Jerry Jones starting anew with some new guy. Like it, that, that seems even like a worse. There's, yeah, scenario. there's enough evidence that that is probably the likely scenario that they get back to the playoffs. And the statement that I was referring to that Jared put out, um, he, he includes in it, while we're all disappointed with the result on Sunday and with our playoff record, I am 100% supportive of him as our head coach and ability to reach our goals. It's like even in the statement, you're talking about the failures in the playoffs, which just, they're like, they're, I mean, they're America's team. Um, and they're, the narratives and the storylines around them are so ingrained that even in the statement where you're just announcing you're staying with the coach, you have to mention that, oh, yeah, we suck in the playoffs. And that will carry them into next January. And the weight will get that much more. And we shall see if they... Hell, you got to get to the playoffs first. No, nothing is assumed. It's just such a long climb, and that's why I think that was, in part, so devastating for them to just just bottom out uh, the way they did. I don't need, like, the over... I know it's Zaddy's thing, but, like, the whole, like, hey, trust me. Like, all the, now they're going to, like, <laughs> overcompensate by talking too confident. There is a report, <laughs> by the way, from Ed Werder that Dan Quinn will be back if he doesn't get a head coaching job, so... And that makes sense, too, even though they did struggle down the stretch. that That is the new rallying cry. Mark, buy into us. Buy into us. Trust me. Wasn't that it last? I have to participate, but I don't like emotionally. It worked on me. You no, know, you can do. Buy into us. Buy into us. I will in terms of like having to speak about them, to Greg's point. We will have to speak about them. All right. In other news, uh, hey, listen, uh, this Bill Belichick coaching the Atlanta Falcons thing, I think it's going to happen. Uh, Rap Sheet reported. On Thursday, uh, citing sources, colon, former Patriots coach Bill Belichick will have a second interview with the Falcons press this weekend after meeting with owner Arthur Blank one-on-one -on -one this past week. Things are ramping up with the greatest coach of all time. Josina Anderson um, also reported about um, the dynamics between Belichick and, and Rich McKay, the CEO there, and the idea that they... That's the best fit for Belichick uh, when compared to any other potential landing spot in terms of their ability to work together, whatever that means. Um, mm. So he's like the CFO. So, but what about the GM there? Are they going to get rid of get rid of him? Who knows? GM's done a pretty good job, I think. Yeah, from from the Saints. Uh, what if you're like Brian Johnson? It's the Eagles offensive coordinator who interviewed for the Falcons head coaching job today. It's like, you must be feeling like you are just wasting your time. Brian Callahan interviewed Ajiro Evero, An sure. Anthony Weaver, all these other guys, Antonio Pierce. They've interviewed a lot of people, and yet it just feels like if they can make it work with Belichick, it's going to be Belichick. I'm, this is going to be wild. I'm gonna, we'll wait for it to happen. To yeah, fully Mc McKay is the CEO there, by the way. The, yes. the GM dynamic, this is Josina's reporting. The GM dynamic in Atlanta is presumably more palatable for Bill in Flowery Branch, that's where Falcons headquarters is, than it would be in Philly. And as mentioned, both sides have been talking about it through this for a while. Thus, my previous reports, I expect Bill Belichick to reunite with some members of his former staffs whenever he makes it official. That's the other big part of this is what does Arthur Blank, because Arthur Blank is not a dumb man. Arthur Blank saw what happened in New England in those final years and is going to probably be saying to Bill, like, Bill, we're, we're going to let you shop for some groceries here. You're going to have a voice in how the team gets built. But your stabs kind of were butt the last couple of years. I don't think he is even going to 
tiptoe. I think Arthur Blank will say that. They were yards of saying anything like that. I don't. What? Really? I mean, I guess. Well, then this isn't going to work, Greg. If if the owner and these owners are very confident men, successful people, Greg, he's not going to be afraid of Bill Belichick to say. I think he is. I think it's very clear. I think he's going to be like he's not going to be telling him what to do with his coaching staff. First of all, owners shouldn't be doing that to any coach. He's going to let the coach decide his coaching staff or else what's the point of being a head coach? It's, a, it's not telling Bill what to do. It's conversations about what went wrong near the end. And, and obviously some issues with the coaching staff played a part in the demise of that dynasty. I think that's a fair, I get that it's because it's Bill Belichick. The dynamic is different than if you were hiring like a coordinator to a head coach. For yeah, the, first time. the guy isn't flying out to Carolina to interview Greg, Chris Tabor. He's flying on his jet to interview Belichick because Belichick's interviewing him. But flip it around, though. It's, Greg, you're it's, emotional because it's, it's Bill and I understand. It's not so much. Forget what the owner's doing. I think it's a fair concern for like the Falcons fans. Like you're getting a latter era Bill yeah. Belichick who wants to hire like four assistant coaches and three of them are from his family. It's like. Well, I, I would like to think that Bell, like, could can he change what the way he finished in New England, or is it going to just be you're going to have like Bill O'Brien? I think O'Brien it's just an 81 year old owner who wants a title before he dies, and it's a sort of not a confident move. It's more like, man, I'm out of ideas of how to do this like, All right, the normal right. way. See, you Let's just want go. this to fail. I, that's what's going on here. What are you talking about? You don't want Bill to have a successful second act out of New England. If you don't think I'm becoming a Falcons fan when Bill Belichick is their head coach, you're missing but the But you're whole calling point. it desperate. You're calling it desperate and like this is a move that an owner that's getting older is making. Yes, because that's thinking the information. Clearly. I don't know about like, thinking clearly, but I think it's sort of just like we've tried it all the normal ways. Here, take my franchise. That's basically it. And that's, you know, we'll see you, if it works. Do you also think that Bill Belichick is uh fraction of his former self or is or is Arthur Blank hiring the best coach of all time I don't think he's the same as he was I think there's a scenario where it could work out pretty well I mean you better get him a quarterback that's that's goes without saying right away I mean you could go win that division uh, you Kirk could, Cousins you could have some fun Let's he's go. gonna be a good game day coach I I think he might be reinvigorated a little bit uh, I, I think it's well, and yes, we're going to get to it when it becomes official, but well worth the gamble. Unless, like, Charlie Weiss is the offensive coordinator. Like, well, can someone talk to Bill about getting some fresh young minds in, in the Bills? Does, does a team that pumped in fake crowd noise into their uh, stadium want to sell more tickets or sell out every game? You would with Bill Belichick. Absolutely. I mean, and, not that uh, they weren't already. If you don't think Josh McDaniels is his offensive coordinator, I get it. See, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. This is crazy. <laughs> it's happening. But they did have success together. Yeah, I, with Tom Brady. What, yeah. Go look at Josh McDaniels anywhere else minus Tom Brady. Like when he well, went to the Rams, like last Oh, look rank. at Belichick anywhere else without Tom Brady. Well, we're going to go down that road. You know, I, well, if we're going to go down that road, Mac Jones almost won rookie of the year with Josh McDaniels over Jamar Chase. He went to the Pro Bowl. So that's. I don't hate McDaniels on the staff. The most recent. I don't example. want Josh McDaniels yeah. as head coach. OC is a little different. Yeah. Um, do you want to hit on what's going on in uh, here in Los Angeles with the Chargers, too? Well, just quickly, they interviewed Mike Rabel today, which was interesting. They've interviewed a lot of people um, for their GM and Jim their Harbaugh as well. Head coach Jim Harbaugh was one. Dan Quinn was one. Leslie Frazier, our coworker, was one. Hey, I think they gave Kellen Moore. Remember Kellen Moore? He was the hot guy uh, last year at this time. Super hot. Uh, not happening now. He, yeah, so they've had a, a variety of interviews, but it's been interesting. Been quiet around Rabel. Go not defensive coach. Interesting. Man, Har- I feel, I feel like that's Harbaugh's job to lose, but it may be the. Listen, you also got to pay them. Or the Chargers going to pay Harbaugh? They also keep interviewing guys who have connections to Harbaugh there for the GM job. So I think you would be right. And then, yeah, Cliff Kingsbury got an interview as the OC with 
Chicago, which is interesting because he was the quarterbacks coach of Caleb Williams last year. And as USC fans will note, the year where Caleb Williams looked much worse than the year before when Cliff Kingsbury wasn't there, for you know, mm. for what it's worth. <laughs> I'm looking at what, like, C.J. Stroud's doing this year, and I'm like, if I'm the owner uh, of the Chargers, I'm like, I don't have to deal with Harbaugh being a pain in the ass, but just go get the O.C. Slowick. Pair him with Justin. Yeah, he's got a... It's such and I don't have to deal with all the other stuff, and maybe I get a guy that's on the come-up that's much cheaper. That feels like a potential Chargers move, too. I mean, I'll, I would say this. When they went and got Brandon Staley, there was a similar DNA of, like, a really young, hot coach. I mean, Slowick has had, I think, eight years in the league, and I think the first seven, four of them, four of them he was a defensive coach, an assistant. Three and a fi- three offensive, then an offensive coordinator. So he's young. He's got a he worked. For, sell that too. In he a, worked in for an interview. I, I work on both sides of the ball. We wrote, worked for a pro football focus. I mean, that's there's a lot of Brandon Staley like elements going on there. I don't know if it's it's a little bit of a risk, but he's certainly like shown we can do this year. Spicy. All right, let's get back to the games. Uh, let's head to Sunday, the early game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers head to Ford Field to face the Lions. Now this is also a sizey spread, six and a half points. Uh, the Bucks are a four seed uh, NFC South champion who, you know, put the woeful. I'm going to say it. I can't believe I'm going to say this. Never thought I would. The moribund Eagles were put to put to sleep on Monday night. Uh, so the Bucks advance and get the Lions coming off that one point win um, over the Rams in one of the most um, emotional uh, and uh, fun moments in modern history for the Lions. So. Uh, Tarico back on the call back in Detroit uh, with Collinsworth and Stark on the sideline. Like it, Greg. I really love this game because I think you got all the fun as a football fan. You're going to get to enjoy that again about the vibe in Detroit and all the history around the team. And then you got this Tampa Bay team that is in full on. Nobody believes in us mode and no one's rooting for us. Uh, We have nothing to lose. And who's the one, if you had to pick one middle of the road quarterback to be the guy that's walking out on the field there, it's Baker. It's Baker. Right. When you said earlier this week, you know, usually when you get to this point in the season, there's like six or seven teams that have a real shot or exciting. There's one surprise team and then there's one that you don't think should shouldn't really be there. And right. you thought this these matchups were great because we didn't have one of those teams. And as you were saying that, I thought you were setting up that the Bucks are that team. Now, they're fun and they've they've earned their their way here. But over the course of the season, They've been mediocre. They're pretty average on offense. They're average on defense. They have players we recognize, and they they have moments, but they haven't really shown anything over the course of the season until that wild card game where they they could have, like, a big-time statement victory, like, uh, really convincing win. That was their best game of the season. It was against a team that looked like they were ready to go home. It's just what Baker we get. And it's usually whether you get pressure on him or not. It's not a secret. These two quarterbacks, their numbers are outstanding when they're not pressured and they're not great when they are pressured. It's just Goff is even more extreme than Baker. But can you get pressure on him? Maybe it's Aiden Hutchinson versus Gadecki on the right side. But they've played well. For the most part in that first matchup, Tristan Wirfs handled the hell out of Aiden Hutchinson. He had his worst game of the entire season. They move Hutchinson around. So sometimes he's in the middle and on the right tackle. But if you can protect Baker, uh, you're going to have a little bit of a chance. I I think the Rams made the lions linebackers, especially look lost, look bad in coverage last week. And and that's where you can get Chris 
Godwin or you can get Kate Otten over the middle of the field and, and Baker can do work there. It was a, a while ago, but when they played the Detroit Lions 120-6 to um, in, in golf. Weird game. It was a weird game. I mean, the Lions uh, had almost nothing on the ground, but their, their running backs were banged up. Um, the, that was the lowest points the Bucks have scored all year. But Goff, uh, when he's played Tampa's defense, uh, with, he's got a 2-1 and one record. He's got at least 353 passing yards in every one of those games. He's thrived. So I think it's, it's kind of interesting because, like, the history of these two quarterbacks, obviously both discarded by their first teams. Like, it was Goff that last week brought Detroit, like, the decades-weighted playoff game. I mean, Baker Mayfield did the same for Cleveland. And so I, I find it interesting on that front. Like, they're both in playing style. You're wondering which quarterback makes the most mistakes because that probably leads to DNA of where the game goes. But I don't know. If you were the Niners and if, the, if they did the playoffs differently and the number one seed could pick which team they wanted to play, of course you're picking the Bucks of all these teams that are left. Like, you wouldn't want to play the Packers. I feel like that's sort of a ridiculous situation. And I, I Detroit, like, this is one team where, like, the home stadium – the journey matters a lot. I think crowd noise last week, the energy in that place galvanized the team. And it's, I guess it's simplistic to say all that, but it's like you are human beings in an environment where like you're in a Roman Coliseum and the crowd is going Go absolutely Go ask Dan Campbell nuts. and those players. Absolutely. The way they so, talked about it after the game. I think, I think if you're the Lions, you've got to be thrilled that you got a, a really hot and cold Bucks team that last week, and I think, look at, I couldn't have been happier for Mayfield. And the Bucks have better players than people realize. They've got a good group of wide receivers. Um, their running game's been a little bit better. I don't think it'll happen this week. But it's like when the Bucks falter, they really do. And we saw that. They almost lost to the Panthers two weeks ago. So I think if you're Detroit, you've got to be, like, pretty thrilled with this matchup. Uh, yes, I agree with that. I mean, they, they, it's set up very well for them because even if we, – and we all knew that even before that game was played because it was like the winner of this Rams-Lions game gets – the corpse that was the Eagles or the Bucks, who are not a highly respected team coming out of a weak division. But I just, I also just, in fairness to the Bucks, is it just you don't think about it this way. But they've lost one game since the calendar turned over to December. Like they have been playing winning football, building confidence, and Baker was banged up obviously throughout the end of that season. But he didn't look that way um, no. this past Monday night. So and, and they, I they said he's. Full, he's almost fully healthy. Yeah, I was right going to say, I yeah. don't remember him taking any huge when licks I in that game. Morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. And uh, I really like it. Now, the question to me is, can the Bucks defense, which is filled with veterans and dudes that have been through the wars before, uh, can they put the pressure on Goff? Goff was outrageous in the wild card round. 21 for 21 for 266 in a touch when he wasn't pressured in that game. Hmm. So... He will, as we've seen all and season, frazzled right? a few times in the big spots and almost lost the, sure. the game with that with that lateral with the sack where he ended up tripping. He was pressured on thirty percent of his dropbacks per next gen stats and was one of six for eleven yards. And that's mm. kind of isn't that the story forever, Greg? That it's like it can change real quick with Goff, and it all depends on making him move his feet and and speed him up a little bit. Can the Bucks defense do that? Right. He's been great against the Blitz, which is against what you have thought of over the course of the season. And I think it's more because they're great as an offense against the Blitz. You thought about it. I thought about it on Monday night. It's not about just Jalen Hurts. It's about the offensive line. It's, it's mostly about the coaching. Ben Johnson has had answers. He had answers in that first game. Even though they couldn't finish drives, they moved the ball really well against the Bucks throughout. So it's good that they've already seen him. This Lions offensive line has a reputation of being great. I, there's been times this year where I don't think they've played great, but they should win the matchups on the outside here. The Bucks pass rushers aren't great on the outside. On the inside, it's Vea 
and it's Cansey, and Kalijah Cansey was awesome last week. I think that's a good-on-good good matchup, but that's maybe where the Lions are a little weaker weaker up front with with Glasgow or whoever it's going to be. Even Ragnow, I, I think, struggled last week. If you can get some interior pressure on Jared Goff, like, you have a chance in this game, obviously. I think it matters that, um, you know, they talked about Sam Laporta being, like, another healthier week, like he's getting better. Um, played well last week. I mean, it kind of didn't even look hurt to me. Amon Ross St. Brown almost never gets talked about, and, like, he couldn't have been more dangerous a week ago. It's like, if you're the Bucks, you've got to shut down a lot more weapons than you did last week when you played an A.J. Brown-free Eagles team that was falling apart at the seams. They give, a t- they give up a ton of big plays all year. The Bucks are a, a solid run defense, and uh, they've given up about as many explosive plays as any team in the NFL, and so it could be like a Jamison Williams type of game, get, getting vertical. Because uh, they, they take their chances and they leave Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis on an island sometimes. And it just, it doesn't work out. The Bucks, on the other hand, they're always trying to go deep. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Baker is such a, like a high variable quarterback. I don't think he's had like an incredible year, but I think he was been the best version of Baker where he's about the average starting quarterback. The, the way he gets to average though is like, he's had six or seven really impressive games. And he's quietly had about six like awful games and he, so he's, his average is not like just staying right in the middle. It's either you're, it's going to be great or it's not going to be great. And I I don't know. The lions give up a lot of big plays. They're not a great defense. They're much better stopping the run than they are stopping the pass. So maybe this would be a good matchup. I think relatively they are a good matchup. I think I don't, I, I, you know, I'm, I'll pick the lines here. Um, but I love this game. I just think it really sets up well. And it, for Baker, who has always been, like him or not, has always been good theater. Um, I really do. It would not stun me if, like, a major conversation Sunday night is, holy shit, Baker went off and is playing in the NFC title game. Because I just think he's all about getting into these pockets, right? These pockets of confidence and, and where the moment meets him, uh, as unlikely as it may be, and then he seizes it. Now, could it go the other way? And he has four picks. Yes. But I think he balls out in this game. And then it becomes, does the Detroit offense have the ability uh, to put up 30 points? And I, I think they will. But I think, I think I'm going to do a Sessler special here. I'm going to go Lions 31, Bucks 30, and mm. like a, a classic, a divisional round classic. Um, and that's my pick. The Bucks are one in six when they've allowed more than 20 points. And I think that says a lot about some of their offensive games, like where they've not performed. I think the Lions take care of business. It's a more intriguing matchup than I would have thought it was a couple months ago. Um, I'm going to go Detroit 27, Bucks 16. I I hear you guys in the crowd being a factor. Baker Mayfield actually said he talked to some of the Rams players. You know, two Rams legends here going at it. Mm. Goff and Baker Mayfield. And uh, the Rams said they've never been in a building like that. They just thought, and and they handled it well. Ultimately, that maybe that affected those early timeouts, but yeah, you know, they were moving the ball on the Lions. I think the Lions' defense has more answers than people realize. That the Lions are minus two seventy eight in this game, and I think Brian Branch on on Godwin, he he can slow him down enough. You're getting some health back here. I think James Houston is going to be active for this game. So Aleem McNeil's been added to the mix here. They're a little better. And I think people have kind of missed how incredibly good Aiden Hutchinson have been the last three weeks. 23 pressures. And it's not like 23 pressures in three weeks where it's like 21 hurries. No, it's seven sacks, eight quarterback hits. 
and uh, I think six more hurries. So I like their defense. I like their offense. Uh-oh. I like all the Lions. Uh-oh. Let's lock it up. hey hey That's a solid lock, but you might be sweating it. That's all I'm saying. I, I kind of, I wouldn't be surprised if I am sweating it, but uh, this is what you can do when you've, when you finish the competition. Just pick, pick the teams you like. Maybe in your mind. We got a big <laughs> That's what I'm doing now, though. The same, the same note. I'm also, I've finished yes. the competition and just going. You're looking to shock the world. Everybody's got Lane their own little competitions right. going on yeah. right now. Lions minus six and a half and the money line is negative 278 for Detroit. Um, by the way, the weather in Detroit. Ooh, boy, it is going to be cold, uh, sub-zero, who knows, maybe some snow. And, and Todd Bowles was asked about this. Uh, the Lions, by the way, have played in the Dome for 50 years. Uh, looking forward towards um, Detroit. Um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Uh, today, it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure, but perform in those temperatures? It's a long question. Oh, you do know we play indoors, right? And they got a dome. I don't. Uh, no, nothing planned. We're we're indoors, and we only have to be outside for twenty seconds, getting oh. off the bus, going under the thing. So uh, we'll be nice okay. Start. He handled that. I mean, I think a lot of I people. Could have, have, he could have buried that poor woman. I think a lot of people have, you know, suspected that was not a, a sports reporter, but like a no. This local is a, news. This reporter. is a playoffs thing where you see the local yeah. news kind of flies in for the first time. But I mean, I'm sure she wanted to. That. Fifty years though. You know, from the Silverdome to Ford Field, this isn't new. It's not like they, it reminds me of the first uh, big time when I was 23 years old at the Journal News. They sent me to cover a Mets game, a Mets-Rockies game, and I was over the moon. It was a dream come true to cover a Major League Baseball game. And they sent me, me and this other guy, Jeff, and we were filling in for Pete Abraham, who now covers the Red Sox for the Globe, um, but back then covered the Mets. So it was September. It was, they were playing out the string. And uh, so they sent the two young kids there just to get some reps and give them an experience. Damn it. It's the eighth inning and the Mets are throwing a perfect game mm-hmm. and we are, and the Mets had never thrown a, a no hitter to that point. So me and Jeff are like looking at each other, like hamana, hamana, hamana. <laughs> luckily, uh, I, sh- I don't know, luckily, but the, the perfect game gets broken up. And it, so there's no historic game and we're not freaking out because the, the newsroom was calling up to the press box. Like, all right, we're going to send somebody to help you guys. And we're like, you're going to have to get down here. You're going to have to go there. If this happens, I was like, oh, my God. So go down to the locker room, crisis averted. And um, I go down to talk to Clint Hurdle, who was like a, a grizzled old baseball man. He was the manager of the Rockies. And Preston Wilson was a star for the Mets or a, a prospect for the Mets that didn't quite work out and then became a star with the Rockies. He didn't play. It was a getaway day. It was an afternoon game. Uh, but I was 22, 23. So I, I asked the question to Clint Hurdle. I go, Clint, any reason why uh, you didn't play Preston Wilson in this meaningless game in the middle of September? And he turns to me and he like looks at me and sees that I'm not cut out for this moment. He <laughs> goes, is it okay if I give my players a day off? Is that okay with you? Is that okay? <laughs> and literally I melted into a puddle. And I just thought of Clint Hurdle burying a young journalist uh, and seeing Todd Bowles being a class act with that woman who was way out of her depth in a big spot. That was story time. He did a good job. That was a good story. I hadn't <laughs> heard that one. <laughs> um, all right. Anything else with this game? Do we all make a pick? I believe we did. 
We did. All right, so then let's move. I can't wait for that game. Just the vibe. I well, did, you will have to wait until I like, Sunday. It's not I, happening. I like that. It's, I cannot, though. It's Tariko and Collinsworth on a noon Pacific game, which it just feels nice and uh, mm-hmm. counterintuitive. And we're going to be... Transgressive, really. For the, yes, it is transgressive. <laughs> for those of you overseas that have access to Sky Sports and their NFL coverage, uh, we'll be on at halftime of that game, uh, chopping it up. I'm right, right? That's right. That's, That's right. Yeah. With, so don't like Neil. go do the halftime thing where you go do other human things. Do not. Do not be a human. Uh, be a football fan twenty four seven every second. Uh, all right. The last game, uh, and it's a one. Mark, you were saying you're not overly excited for, but I did not. That is not what I said. I get it. You always want new things, but I like classic matchups, and you're only gonna get so many. Ten years from now, we're not gonna have them anymore. You know what I mean? It's like on, Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen. You know what I treasured? I didn't care, Greg, how many there were. If you gave me Tom Brady and Peyton Manning uh, in January, I was I was clicking my heels, uh, running to the television set. And I know you don't even want to watch this no, game, no, no, Mark. No. First of but, all, okay, go ahead. No, ten years from now, you still will be getting. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. I promise you. Uh, no, like I, Mark likes new stuff though. He was like, "Give me the Trent Green, Matt Schaub showdown." No, no, no. I was saying this that is new to me. This is interesting. I was saying that the Texans and Packers are very intriguing to me. I was not discounting Chiefs at Bills. They have played each other a lot. Um, I guess everyone's. I keep hearing people are so fascinated that Mahomes is playing his first road playoff. You know game. how fascinated they are. It's the game of the week. I don't presented course, by DraftKings, but of course it's the game of the week. So I'm not, I'm not slighting it, but it's DraftKings, like, Mark. It's the game of the I, week. I guess it's just a human thing. Even with me, like, <laughs> like, like when it was Manning versus Brady, like part 19, and there was like these articles coming out, like let's rank the 19 times they played. It was like, come on, people. Like I like to see new things. I like fresh new experiences. Greg. I, I love. I'm <laughs> with Dan that. I I'm love, not going to win this. I you can have it all, though. Because you, you really you're going to get the others. The, this right, is the more right. rare thing, ironically. is like It feels like it's happened a lot, but you only get these so much. But you know it's a great rivalry, and this is where I'd push back because this is new. You're getting different versions. Like Sometimes you got the Patriots version where he was throwing to uh, Aaron Dobson and they had no defense and they had to score 30, uh, and then Peyton Manning comes back. In this case, like... These are totally different teams than they were two years ago. And it's interesting to me that the, the Bills, y- you feel like they're the, the minor player in this, right? But they've won three straight in Kansas City in the regular season. But they haven't won them in the playoffs. They've mm. lost the two that have been in the playoffs. Now it's here at Buffalo where, where we haven't seen it. And so to me, it is different because this is a totally different Chiefs team with like a great defense. Kansas and, City on the road, Mark. I know, but it's like, never I, happened. Like, I didn't anyone, like this, this Bills anyone team listening is to this up. knows that I'm being set up as some sort of straw man person. It's like I actually think if it weren't Tony Romo on the call, I'd. Oh, be, Mark's I'd be right. Excited. We are sick of it. It's like, all right, great. I did not say that at all. Everyone's <laughs> also. Oh. You, I'll let you. I'll let you play your little parlor game, but it's like literally that's not what I'm saying. I'm like, also just, sick of everyone <laughs> saying like. Oh, like, oh, it's Tony Romo on Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. You know what? I like Tony Romo. But you know what? Josh you do the same thing Patrick to Mark. Put a name on it. That's that's Mark that says that. That, <laughs> that is. That I, I saw a tweet that about I it, too. Do, but that I do back. I, I, mean, I, I think you just, I think part of it is you run out of things to say about Patrick Mahomes. But the, this is a completely different Chiefs team. I think that you're right. There are, there are elements to this team 
that there's a challenges that were not present before. It was like a video game or like when Hulk Hogan yes. would like go down to the end and just body slam someone and you'd win every every Sunday night main event. And it's like this Chiefs team Saturday is, night main event. Saturday main like this Chiefs yeah. team is vulnerable. This is a Sunday night main event. But yeah, but Hulk Hogan it would be Saturday night. Right. It replaced and it would SNL be it wouldn't be the body slam, night. it would have been the kick to the face followed by the atomic leg drop. You're right. right. <laughs> You want to just punch me in the Didn't face? he body slam like uh, Andre. Andre the Giant? And then he gave him the, the biggest body slam. Then he gave him the slam. leg drop. Oh, sure. But the, yeah. that was the biggest body slam in the history mm. of wrestling. WrestleMania three, Right. In the Pontiac Silverdome. There you go. See how it all connects? <laughs> Madison behind the glass thought this was wasteful conversation. Multiple cities. That connects to multiple Detroit cities and that, the, the, big, that the big old football game up yeah. there. Remember Where's that conversation before the show? We keep it a little tighter today or something? I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. What else? I I mean, we can end the show right now no, if we want no, to stay we, on we time. We literally haven't even talked about this game. Uh, I'm in, I'm excited for the Sneed, like Legereus Sneed last week. The, my favorite clip of the week was him driving Tyreek yes. Hill into, like, m- as Mark would say, Mother Earth, you like below the earth. I mean, it was crazy. Tyreek even gave him a little pop on social yes. after the game. I've never been uh, bodied like that or whatever mm. the term would be. And so Sneed faced off against Stefan Diggs in this first matchup, which really wasn't that long ago. It was week 14. They matched up for 23 routes. In those 23 routes, Josh Allen tried Stefan Diggs five times. The Bills had a total of three yards in that game. Sneed absolutely destroyed Stefan Diggs, which that's an interesting matchup. If that could happen again, they have a shot, but I do think they're better prepared here with Shakir with Kincaid, who's getting most of the snaps. And I thought it was interesting last week. They didn't really play Knox and Kincaid together. It was mostly just Kincaid. So they like having three receivers on the field, even if it's not Gabe Davis. Just I think they, if they were like a basketball team, it's almost like keeping people out of the paint to let a little more, uh, a little more uh, space over the middle of the field in general. And since Joe Brady's taken over, the offense isn't better, but it has been different. They've been... Uh, more willing to run the ball. And and I think this matchup, as much as it's about Mahomes and Allen, also might be about like which team will actually stick with the running game and be successful. Because I think both coordinators have shown they will dare the other team to run. Spagnolo did it quite effectively against Buffalo in that first matchup. But even though Buffalo started that game well, their offense was kind of in quicksand for most of it. I think one thing that's different about McDermott running this defense and you know, maybe one of the changes that happened was some of the playoff stuff that happened against the Chiefs was that when they dueled in week 14, they they blitzed at the highest rate they have against Mahomes, and they were more mm. successful doing it. Um, that said, like, this, all this business about Mahomes being on the road, like, his completion percentage is higher on the road. His yards per attempt, higher on the road. His passer rate, Mahomes. higher on the road. Sack rate, lower. And passing success rate, higher. Yes. And if they finish off a couple of drives last week, people are over the moon saying that they're fixed and we'll see. I just, I I think they got the season. Like you were saying, Greg, earlier, you're looking at the whole season. You can't just look at a game and the whole season tells me they're going to struggle again here to to put points on the board and finish off drives. And I, that's why I kind of like the bills in this game, because I think that's, what's going to end the chief season. The bills will finish off the drives that the Buffalo, uh, that the chiefs won't be able to, um, but not to swerve left, but I want to touch on it just because I'm looking at it, I'm staring at it. And I knew it, I felt it, and then I looked at the numbers, and my goodness. So, Stefan Diggs, Ugh. weird year. Yeah. So, he starts the season 
with uh, five 100-yard games in his first six weeks. Everything is going to plan. Since October 22nd, okay, a loss to the, the Pats. Uh, this is, these are his uh, numbers. Six for 58, nine for 70, six for 86, three for 34, four for 27, six for 74, four for 24, four for 48, five for 29, four for 26, seven for 87, seven for 52. And then in the playoff game, more of the same where he was seven for 57 for 52. Yeah. Like it's been an odd season. They have not been on the same page. You've seen that frustration and it is, it's a good thing. Khalil Shakir has stepped up this year and it's a good thing that they now have a pro bowl type player in James cook because that connection has been off all year. It, it makes me believe that this is Stefan Diggs's last run with the bills. Now I think he would be an interesting trade candidate. That's he's, but he's 30. I, I can't imagine he's just suddenly turned old, but they the big plays just haven't been there. And I just, yeah. I just have a feeling Gabe Davis's status is really important. I think the injuries are so important for this game for the bills. Cause I hear what you're saying and I'm, I'm leaning bills. Like, I guess I want the bills. Cause like Mark, I guess I want, something different. I like the idea that they were six and six in the way they've rallied. And I, I, I like the idea of a bills Ravens AFC championship game. That that's really exciting to me, but the, the practice reports are just massive, especially in the secondary. I'm going to focus it there. Cause there's linebackers, there's other stuff, but Christian Bafford been their best outside corner Teron Johnson, an all pro slot cornerback, uh, both on the injury report and both seem legitimately like, I don't know if they're going to play or not. Like they could fully play. They could not like these guys last week have had to count on players. We hadn't seen much all season. Damar Hamlin was on the field throughout the end of that game because of injuries. Von Miller played throughout the end of that game and actually had a couple pressures made me think, Hmm, I wonder if they go back to Von this week. Cause he showed something, but that, that was all because of injuries. Their linebackers were gone and they might get them both back. They might get Bernard and Dodson back. They might get neither back. So Gabe Davis is another question mark. These are like seven or eight starters where it's like they might play, they might not. And that's a pretty big deal. And at that said, like I'm not scared. And I don't think anyone is scared of like the Chiefs weapons for the most part. I mean, I, I you want to have those guys in the field. I'm but scared like, of two, Kelsey and Rasheed Rice. We just talked about Stefan Diggs, Mark. Up. Like Travis Kelsey is coming off a game with three drops and he has not been himself this year. Right. He's going to need to make the plays that he hasn't been making. Right. They lead the league in drops. And I guess I'm just wondering if the, you know, we're, Everyone waiting for the Chiefs to become last year's Chiefs. It's like, actually, isn't it more likely that their season ends with another duplicate performance where wide receiver X, Y, or Z lets them down in a key yes. spot? But that's more likely. I'm just saying, I think that's like, yeah. that's been the, like, a pretty consistent narrative. And but the defense is better, Greg, right? But, it's, but it's way better. Yeah. It's, it's the best. And that, I think the route is more that, like, yeah, some of that stuff happens and they win a game. 20 to 16 or they win a game, you know, yeah. with, because, okay. If, if this was the Kadarius Tony, right. Offsides game where it's right. like little mistakes cost them. I hear, the play of the I game. hear what you're saying though, but like to that point, they held the bills down in that game. And even though they weren't great offensively, if not for that call, if not for Tony lining up six inches, uh, you know, in the neutral zone, the bills aren't in this game. You know, the, and the Chiefs win a game like that against a good opponent because of their defense primarily and because Mahomes made big plays when it mattered. He ran the ball pretty well last week. I mean, that's that's a thing. Both of these quarterbacks are going to run the ball well, but you're just going to be more surprised 
when Mahomes I, does it. I just can't. In fairness, I kind of think they're yeah. gonna win, and yet I don't want it to happen, so I'm not gonna pick it. Sorry, Chiefs fans. Um, I'm rooting against you. If if that if uh, Tony stayed on sides, Josh gets the ball back with a minute or so. Good, to play. Yeah, good I, to point that out. I I uh, I just got a, a weird feeling about the Bills and Eric, the producer. I like it, dude. I like I like the energy. I like that they went through hell and then they came out and survived it. And now Josh Allen at home running downhill, impervious to anything, uh, pain and uh, feeling like I like what he said at the end of last week's game was interesting to me that we we're like everybody else now. Like right. We're, we're out of that wilderness where we were fighting for our lives. And I think they're playing with a level of confidence that is going to be the difference against a KC team that's just simply, even though better on defense, not as explosive and not even close. Uh, and I think that's why they're going to win. I think they're mm. going to win this game 27 to 20. It feels almost fitting that the season, everything kind of went wrong. It kind of feels like it should go right eventually. Like they were heavy favorites for, you know, the last couple seasons and things just kind of fell apart abruptly, horrifically big moments. And this year, like there was lulls, big lulls and, finger on the panic button moments you fire an OC you have the Sean McDermott hit piece and then all of a sudden they're right back here and it seems like their their trajectory is hitting their peak I right I mean they're the right undefeated moment. since yeah. uh, that article came yeah, out Yeah I mean <laughs> you have their you have the players in the you have he the coach got a game ball and the, you have players yelling in the locker room you got your back coach I mean there's so many weird moments where this season that you know they didn't they weren't maybe considered a Super Bowl favorite you know, this is the year where everything seemed like, well, this is the falling. This is where it breaks. The dam breaks and it all falls apart. And here we are again against the Chiefs, against Patrick Mahomes. Mm, but this time so good. we're in Western New York, Bills Mafia home game. It's it's theater, dude. It's crazy. There you go. I like that. And yet, the, mm. I don't know why in my gut, like all that, it just the Chiefs remind me so much of the Patriots. I mean, they're so I see different, that but just like. All this makes logical sense. And I've been saying all year, like, maybe this is the year for the Bills. They get they get as close as possible, and, and I'm going to pick them because I want it to happen. And yet, like, that's the moment where the champs, and the Chiefs are the champs. They're the defending champs. They've done it twice with Patrick Mahomes. They've literally never not won a divisional round game with Patrick Mahomes. They've won every single one. It's like they are going to be tough uh, to knock out, but I, I think the Bills can do it. I think Greg Rousseau going to have a big-time game. The Chiefs' tackles are where they're a little vulnerable. He had a really nice game the first time, uh, I noticed, against the Chiefs, too. So get some pressure on Mahomes. Uh, get it done, Bills. Be fun. I feel like every, oh. almost every, oh, here we go. Sorry, Mark, didn't mean to cut you off. There is no video this week, but I did want to get on record. The the Westling, the Cincinnati Zoo will be taking the Chiefs in this game. So wow. I'm saying this in a Bills sweater, so I almost forgot to just even mention <laughs> the it. Free the falling, message, but. It's almost like uh, Nick Sirianni is in Cincinnati right now because oh. they have lost, I believe, five of six, the zoo. So they need... Goes bold here, though, with a road road underdog, even though it's the Chiefs. It's still, uh, there were other options out there. A lot of infighting over there, and it's and it's shown to be a concern. Um, I I love what Eric said. Uh, because I think that's exactly what the Bills have been. And I, whenever you look, go back and watch these, like, documentaries of, you know, three quarters of Super Bowl winning teams, there were these, like, low points in the season where everything felt like a cataclysm, like, like a, just a mess, just a disaster. And it's like the Bills looked shot and gone to the point where the zoo, Nick, said they weren't going to make the playoffs. And it, I thought, that, I, thought that, like, I think he's right at some point in the season. And I think now you're getting a version of Josh Allen and the entire team that is driven and is kind of them against the world. And 
That's kind of sports. You know who did it? We I think it came up earlier in the show. Uh, that early Aaron Rodgers Packers team. I think they were six and six. They were super banged up. They they ran ran off a streak to make the playoffs and just kept winning. But look at both Giants teams. Bills could the do P- that. Patriots. They I mean, were they were a six seed. The Bills weirdly have all this going on, and yet they were the two seed. And that's strange. Well, that's here. I mean, here's weird, the thing: yeah. if if the yeah. Chiefs win the if the Chiefs win this game and then win the Super Bowl, they had those moments too, where everyone gave up on them and they hit their darkest moment. It, yep. it, it all is there. It was the, never quite as dark though. No, the Chiefs no, always right. had that buffer in that Absolutely. division. Yeah. Right. The, the money line here, by the way, is minus one forty-two for the Bills. The Bills are two and a half point favorites. When you're a home two and a half point favorite. I'm I'm always a little anxious, but it's definitely Vegas being like I don't know, we don't know because that's almost like the built-in they built that in as the exactly. Home. So Vegas says it's a coin flip. Basically. It's basically a coin flip. The I numbers have fair. loved the Bills all season, uh, but there's something about the Chiefs that defy numbers. Something about you, baby, makes me want to give it to you. That's an MJ deep cut off the Dangerous album. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ATN. New customers can bet just 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code ATN. The crown is yours. Um, Anything else? Anything else? All right, good. Uh, you know where to find us on Sunday night. We're going to have recaps of all the games we just previewed. Check out NFL Plus, where we have the Dreamatorium. Uh, cooking up danger uh, this week and also Sky Sports be there on Sunday because we will till then heed the call this is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.